Good morning. Welcome back to another episode of the Hit Bodies podcast. I am your host, Chelsea Pleasant, and it's our Halloween episode. By our, I mean my Halloween episode. It's just me over here. But I'm so excited to have you. Tomorrow is Halloween, at least the time I'm releasing this podcast. So I hope you have some fun plans for Halloween, which by the way, like real quick, can we talk about this? Some people say Halloween and I say Halloween. Where do you stand on that? I feel very comfortable saying Halloween. And like when people say Halloween, it doesn't like give me the ick or annoy me. It just like I notice it. I don't know. So I'm just curious what you say. Um, So speaking of, let's just Okay, let's first start. What is the Hip Bodies podcast? If you're new here and you're wondering what this podcast is, well, I started Hip Bodies back in 2017 and it's a workout group where I work out live with my clients. Uh, when I started creating workout videos, you know, there's no shortage of workout videos on the internet, but I really wanted to create workouts that I would do myself or I would give my clients as a workout for them to do as a trainer. And I just didn't feel like there was anything on the market at the time for that. And I Also, I just felt like it was more of an entertainment value. So many of the workout videos that were out there, it was so much about the production and everything. And I just, I really wanted it to feel like we're workout buddies. Like we talk about what's going on in our lives each day and it's just recorded in real time, right? There's something so different. I don't know if you guys listen to podcasts, but I struggle to listen to old podcast episodes when I know the person recording it. It's like they're in a totally different chapter than where they are now. You know what I mean? I love listening to stuff in real time. And so like with workout videos, as much as I want you to like utilize the archive of Hit Bodies workouts I have, there's something magical about like doing the workouts in real time with me. You know what I'm saying? So that's what the the podcast is simply an extension for me to talk more because apparently that's what I love to do. <laughs> so this is our Halloween episode. And so we're going to talk about some personal Halloween stuff. And then we're going to get into some health and fitness related stuff. So let's do it. Okay. So Halloween in our house, I have to tell you, I just, I want to go way back. I'm going to talk about like some core Halloween memories I have. And I am personally a hater of Halloween. It's very, very low on my list of holidays. I still think there's something magical about every holiday, especially when you become a parent and it's almost like you get to recreate that magic and make it special. It's, it's kind of healing for you too, right? Like For me, I just don't do anything scary in my house, and that makes me so happy. My mom never did anything scary either, but I really consciously avoid, like, I remember trick-or-treating one year, and I don't, I can remember what house it was, but I don't remember what specifically scared me, but it, like, ruined that house for me for, like, the rest of my life. Like, I could never go to their front door again. I was so scared. I can't remember what it was that scared me. I feel like it was of the werewolf variety, but it was, like, I walked up, and I had no idea it wasn't, like, a statue, and it, like jumped out at me and it was the scariest moment of my life as a child (laughs) and I just I hate that I don't I where do you guys stand on like scaring someone who didn't necessarily sign up for it you know I get it if you set up your house where it's clearly a scary house so a, a child can be like yeah that house isn't for me but like don't I don't know don't scare people who just like aren't ready for it that's not cool but as a mom Okay, well, so fast forward. So Halloween just hasn't been like my thing. And part of it is because I'm a procrastinator. So as an adult, when it became my, as a teen and adult, right, it became my responsibility to figure out what I want to be for Halloween and like get the costume and everything. My mom always made my costume as a kid, which was so nice. Like I could just say something, I want to be a fairy princess and like, boom, she's like sewing a beautiful costume from scratch for me. It was just so wonderful. And then as I got older, I had to figure out my own costumes. And it was so much pressure because I would hear like, 
don't be that. Don't be a construction worker. That's a job. Huh? Okay. Don't do this because it's like offensive, right? Don't, you know, if you're a deer and you have antlers, you're a buck or something. I can't remember all the rules. But I remember like I would, and so I would always like panic and ultimately just buy a costume from the party city or whatever. I think like one year I was like Mario from like Super Mario, but of course it was like a sexy version, but it, but you know what? This is so funny. So me and my friend, we were Mario and Luigi. Okay. And we went out that night and I have to tell you, this was like in a, in a time where I probably didn't have any business wearing what I was wearing. It was like a sort of sexy Halloween costume. Okay. It was, I was like 21. Right. Anyway, we <laughs> were getting ready and this was also when the show Pan Am was on. Do you guys remember that show? It was on very briefly, but Margot Robbie was in it. And I swear it put winged eyeliner on the map. And so in this phase of our lives, my friend and I were really into bright red lipstick and winged eyeliner, just like the Pan Am girls. Okay. I know. So, so random, but it kind of worked with the Mario and Luigi costumes. So we were feeling so hot. And, and I was also in like my hair extension phase. So I had like nice thick blonde hair at the time, but it, I, I don't know, like I, uh, whatever. Okay. Anyway, we decided we got to do the mustache. And so we took our black, very thick eyeliner and we drew a mustache on. And I will say it like made the costume, but it also made it completely unattractive. And especially you got to picture it by the end of the night, like two 21 year old girls dancing the night away like smeared red lipstick, black winged eyeliner that's been like sweated on. So it's like smudged down. And then you have a black mustache. Like it is, it was so bad. It was so bad. And then also like I was in a phase of my life where I probably shouldn't have like this, this, this outfit was a little too small for me. I'll just say that it was a little too small for me. And so it like kept writing up when I walked, like it was just, oh, it's so cringy. So cringy. But anyway, back to like Halloween costumes. So I took a few years off celebrating Halloween completely. Like I've never been the fitness instructor that like it's Halloween class and I'm like coming to teach the class in the Halloween costume. I love those girls. I'm just not one of them. I just don't care about buying an outfit for one night, let alone a freaking co- It's just, it's just not me. Okay. It's just not me. So once I became a parent, it's like, hello, pressure to figure out costumes for your kids before they even have an opinion. And I look back and I kind of wish I just didn't do that the first year or two, you know, just did some fall things and like answered the door for trick or treaters and had that vibe. I don't know. Cause I, whatever, like we still had fun, but I just, I wish that I wouldn't have put that pressure on myself to figure something out. And now I have two kids. So, so my oldest is four. And so he obviously has an opinion on what he wants to be. Right. And then the baby Casey, she doesn't care yet, but it's like, we can't not include her. So I don't know. It's just so much pressure to like figure out costumes and stuff. And I'm not the mom that can sew. My mom can sew, but I cannot. So I'm not like doing super original stuff. Like, and truthfully, my mom ordered this year's costumes. My son has a Buzz Lightyear costume and my daughter has a cute little Minnie Mouse costume. And yeah, like I truly, I do. I wish that I was the mom that like loved this stuff. I think when people do family costumes, it's so cute, but I, it's enough work for me to figure something out for my kids. I really don't have anything left to figure something out for myself. Where do you guys stand on that? Like, is it so fun for you? I just, it's exhausting. Like that part of Halloween is exhausting. And then basically the theme of Halloween is like candy, which is 
probably my least favorite of the sweets. Like I would like to, if I could take Halloween and swap it out with baked goods, like cookies and like homemade fun stuff like that, I'd be way more down and like way more excited to try all the things. Right. Um, and then what else do I, oh, and then I don't like scary stuff. So it's just across the board, Halloween is just like not for me. The the pressure of the costumes is way too much. And then let's just talk real quick about haunted houses. I do not get it. So for those of you that enjoy a haunted house, you get excited to go to a haunted house. Can you tell me what about that experience do you like? Do you do you like the rush of feeling scared? Is that is that a good feeling to you? It's so foreign to me because I, I that could not be like lower on my list of things I hate feeling. I hate it so much, which is interesting because I'll read a thriller book, but something about the a book, it's so clear that it's just a story. You know what I mean? Like you put the book down and you're, you're in your world, right? And it's, you can step away from the book at any time and there's no visual aspect except for like what you're picturing in your head. So, and, and I also like know my limits with the thrillers. Like I very, I, I don't read like gory. I, I don't know, whatever. So, but these like haunted houses, you're in it. Like you're in it. And I guess there's this thing where you can pay extra for a pass where they can touch you. And this girl did it. And they like picked her up and like carried her. Like a uh, nightmare. No, thank you. No, I, when I go to haunted houses, like back in high school, you know, it was like the cool thing to do. Like, let's go to a haunted house. Right. So I would do it. I did it a couple times, like where I'm trying to be like trying to fit in or whatever. And I would just cover my face in someone's shoulder, like trying to be in the back of the group. Do you know what I'm saying? I just really, it was so stupid. It was the biggest waste of money when I did it, but I get it. Like I I had to check that off the list. I had to try to fit in whatever. But for those of you that are grown adults and you're choosing this experience, I really do want to know what about it you like. Okay. Okay. So let's move on. Let's move on. I, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and it's, I, I get ideas for like what I could do with my podcast because obviously I'm just I'm just winging it week after week. It's very clear that I'm just winging it. And so I want to just try different things out. And if you guys like certain things that I do, definitely tell me and I'll do more of that. Okay. So this one today, I've, I've decided to find an article out there in the world about like health and fitness. And I kind of wanted to just share my thoughts on this. So This thing that I read, it's called 15 Ways to Lose Belly Fat and Be Healthy. This is from health.usnews.com. And she puts a variety of like sources or whatever. But basically, to me, that's like very clickbaity, like to lose belly fat. Like, duh. Like so many people want to lose belly fat. And I, I struggle with that because so many people misconstrue like losing belly fat. They think that means like they can spot reduce and specifically like they're going to do something that's going to make them lose belly fat only. And let me tell you, you're, you can, if you are losing fat anywhere, you're doing, you have like, you have to start by being in a calorie deficit. Like you need to be like your blood sugar needs to be somewhat stable. Like you can't have like out of control blood sugars. Like there, you know, there's some boxes to check. Right. Um, and there's things you can do to speed up that process. Right. So anyway, I read this article and initially I like I'm turned off by the title, but I actually kind of enjoyed what she said. So Belly fat is the, it's the fat that appears around the abdominal area is how they define it. And some people have more of the dangerous visceral fat, which is the fat that surrounds your organs and raises your risk for heart disease. And so, you know, visceral fat, like I, I really don't, I just don't think any of us are necessarily qualified to 
diagnose how much visceral fat we have. However, I think it's it's good to pay attention if you do find that you're someone that stores a lot of fat, particularly in the abdominal area, it might be worth considering that you may have a higher level of visceral fat. And so some of the reasons that we have more fat in the belly area is it's a quick source of energy for the body. According to this article, they say it's easy to accumulate but harder to lose since the body doesn't want to part with easy energy. So I just want to talk about something as far as the stomach goes because like everybody, I don't know anyone that's like in their 30s and older that's like, dude, I love my stomach, (laughs) right? Like a lot of us, it's a quote unquote trouble area. And so I just want to say like, you're not original. Um, if that's an area that you feel like is really stubborn for you, it's the, it's the last place to go. So when you're on a fat loss journey, typically it is the very last thing to like really see a ton of progress in. Like you're just going to have some areas that are really stubborn. And I think that's like also like beautifully designed for women. Like I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. So I'm just like here to defend like if you have like a little bit that's just like annoying vanity wise, please don't stress about it. And, and it, it can go. It's just like the very last to go. Okay. Um, this is weird. It says dietary habits contribute. Foods high in sugar and saturated fat can lead to more belly fat. I think that's stupid. I just think that in general, if you eat a diet that's high in sugar and fat period, then you're just going to have more fat on your body more than likely, right? Um, Alcohol consumption. Drinking too much alcohol can lead to the infamous beer belly. That's what this article says. So I... I agree with that to some degree. Like I I wish I knew the science behind it and I wish they kind of dove into that more. Like why does that happen? But I do think there's something there in terms of like maybe more visceral fat storage and whatnot with alcohol. But I, maybe I should dive into that next week. Let me know if you guys are, if you're interested. But like you guys know, I'm all, whatever motivation you need to embrace sobriety, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to you. Cause you guys know, I love my sober life and I just want everyone to experience it. Um, the next one is high cortisol levels and poor sleep. So if you're under stress, this is what the article says. If you're under stress or getting poor sleep, your body will continue to release the stress hormone cortisol. Some hormone levels, including cortisol, contribute to having more midsection fat. Do you guys remember there was like an infomercial on TV and I swear it made everyone just associate cortisol with belly fat. Like if you can get your cortisol under control, blah, blah. So like cortisol is a hormone that you need in your body. Like it helps certain functions. So like don't let that scare you. Um, and I just I just think some of us have no business like – but I, I think like keeping your stress under control is a fantastic starting point. Um, not necessarily in the realm of like belly fat. I'm just talking about like for health, man. Like it makes me so sad how many people I see that just live such stressful day-to-day lives and – in terms of what like what stress does to your blood sugar, that's my main concern. Like that so stress causes your blood sugar to freaking skyrocket. And when your blood sugars are out of control, that's causing serious long-term health concerns. So if you are someone that has a really stressful job or something like that, like I dude, I get it. Like the world we're in, whatever you can do to lower stress in your life, do it be selfish. I'm just, I know, unpopular opinion over here, but like, I'm going to say it, do what you have to do to lower stress. Okay. Um, but poor sleep, dude. Okay. I'm just going to say it. Mouth taping, mouth taping. Okay. 
I have been mouth taping. Okay, I actually really don't have to do it anymore. I sleep with my mouth closed, but I can tell if my mouth is creeping open again. So I wear this watch that tracks my sleep and it tracks my steps, okay? And if I mouth tape, I get around three hours of deep sleep a night. And when I don't, 90 minutes. I'm not even joking. And this is like months of tracking this data. And for the most part, like I've mouth taped enough that my body has trained to keep its mouth closed. But like last week I had like a little bug and so my mouth started opening again. So, you know, there's different things you can do, but you guys, that helps if you don't necessarily have the time to commit to more sleep, it's going to help you get better, deeper sleep. So highly recommend considering mouth taping. Okay, this one said age. Growing older also works against you. In men, testosterone helps to contribute to muscle mass. That's for women too. Like testosterone helps everyone. But as a man loses testosterone with age, his body tends to lose muscle mass and gain weight. I don't know. That's kind of stupid. Yeah, like obviously testosterone levels help you. And as those testosterone levels fall, I don't know. That's kind of stupid. I don't think necessarily like contributes to specifically belly fat, but whatever. Um, decreased estrogen. This is interesting. Okay. So the, it says the loss of estrogen through perimenopause and menopause can change fat distribution in a woman's body, even if there isn't major weight gain. The fat that once gathered in the breasts, hips, and thighs instead concentrates in the abdominal area. Women also tend to naturally hold on to more midsection fat for childbearing and nursing. So uh, childbearing and nursing, that's like a thing, right? But that's so interesting to me that the loss of estrogen causes that because estrogen dominates. I feel like we can see that so much um, when somebody has like a lot of, you know, a, I, like in certain areas of the body, whatever, it doesn't matter. But decreased estrogen, I would think that would be like a good thing. I don't know. I think like that would let the testosterone take over, but obviously not. I need to like dive deep into like the aging hormone levels. If anyone has a really good podcast for me to listen to or something like that, Cause I, when I read that, I was so confused. I was like, I just felt like lower estrogen would be a good thing for fat loss, but I obviously I'm wrong. Well, at least according to this article, I mean, I definitely can't. Yeah. So they were talking about ways to get, to get rid of the belly fat. And so they said, eat more fiber, eh, cut sugary drinks. Okay. I, I like that one. Read nutrition labels. I mean, okay. If you know what you're reading, choose lean proteins, good start. Eat mindfully. Yes. Avoid alcohol, definitely. Get enough sleep, yes. Reduce stress, yes. Choose healthier carbs, I would agree. Get regular, I just feel like get healthier carbs is not very like, you know what I mean? It's just not giving that much. Okay, get regular exercise, absolutely. Track your progress, yes. Combine your targeted approaches, I don't know what that means. Stay consistent, yes. Work with a registered dietitian. Okay, so, and they were talking about like different things that can result in excess belly fat and they were talking about like hypothyroidism I cannot tell you how many people self-diagnose with hypothyroidism and I and I'm not gaslighting you like I think it's I think it's a thing where your thyroid levels on paper can look fine but you have all of the symptoms of hypothyroidism there is something there and I just think eating in a way to support your thyroid is so important and so one of the the biggest things that I see, and this is, hey, this is not me giving advice. This is just me passing along what, what I know to be true. And it's like eliminating grains is huge for supporting your thyroid. I don't really understand why. I am just passing along what I've heard. And a lot of people who have had thyroid issues have seen major success when they do that. Okay. 
Um, and then also like just eating adequate protein, not eating like super low calorie and then like keeping stress levels low. So like eating or when you work out, like focusing on strength training and eating more mindfully and not necessarily like beating yourself up with cardio all the time. Um, insulin resistance. So I've talked about insulin before, but I just think that so many more people have some level of insulin resistance and they don't necessarily realize it. And so even if you're not necessarily insulin resistant, it's just that's why so many people respond well to lower carb diets because we don't do very well with like managing our carbs unless we're tracking our food. You know what I mean? It's just easy to overeat with that kind of stuff. And then our blood sugar just gets out of control. And when your blood sugar gets out of control, it's just really hard to have a successful like fat loss routine. Um, menopause is what the next one they were talking about. And they said this really leads to a redistribution of fat in a woman's body. I want to know from the women who are in this phase of like perimenopause and menopause, are you noticing a redistribution of fat in your body? And is it, do you like it? (laughs) I'm like some, some, like I would love leaner arms. (laughs) I'm one of those people I carry body fat in my legs and arms. So I'm like, okay, I, I wouldn't hate a little more to my stomach. I can wear a one piece. I don't know. I've, <laughs> I'm so curious for those of you that are in that season, if you've noticed that. Um, they talked about polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. This is a hormonal imbalance that causes a woman's body to produce higher levels of androgens or male hormones. Um, and that PCOS often goes hand in hand with like insulin resistance and some other things. And so that that's just a big one to like understand how to support your body. And there's a lot of different beliefs. For me personally, if I suffered from PCOS, I would eat a low carb diet. That's just me. Low carb or like just only eating like potatoes and like a whole 30 type approach. That That's just me. But yeah, I thought I'd just kind of share my overall opinion on this article because I feel like a lot of articles come out like this and a lot of people read it as fact, right? And I think they do a good job of being careful, but also like not really saying anything, right? Like I just feel like I didn't get any legitimate advice. And so what I'm going to do is I am going to give you legitimate advice, okay? So basically what I'm going to say is you need to be aware of what's going in your body if you are trying to lose fat, period. There are a lot of different ways to go about this and you need to find the way that works best with your brain, Okay, that's something I believe wholeheartedly. Okay, starting, I think eating a lot of protein is a fantastic start for satiety, for feeding your metabolism. So the way I define metabolism is like, okay, your muscles, your muscles gobble up food each day. Even if you don't exercise or strength train at all, you still have muscles on your body and they gobble up a certain amount of food each day. So we want to preserve your metabolism as much as possible because what happens if you just cut calories and let's say you only ate a thousand calories a day, but it was all in donuts. Okay. You're going to lose weight, but like your metabolism is going to be shot. So many, your body's going to be so deprived of certain things. And so we want to eat a balanced diet with adequate protein to really feed your muscles, right? And preserve them as much as possible and ideally strength train. So maybe in the process, we could even be building muscle and eating more food along the way. Because so often people just like drastically cut their calories in an effort to lose belly fat, body fat, whatever. 
and their metabolism just sinks with it. And then, then they're like, I can't lose anymore. And I don't know why. And it's like, your metabolism is like pissed off at you, man. Like, so yeah. Anyway, I'm a big believer. Like my favorite approach is I tracked my food for years. Um, when I first got into health and fitness and it's effective, it's so effective. I am not here to say it's not. Um, I just feel so burnt out. It, it takes me about like two, three weeks and I'm like, it's, I just can't anymore. It's annoying, especially like making dinners for my family every night and trying to freaking plug in everything and like measure out my portion I can have. It just annoys the SHIT out of me. Okay. So what I do currently is I kind of bounce between different approaches as long as I need to until I am sick of it and then I bounce to the next thing, okay? But I do do each thing long enough to actually get progress from it. Does that make sense? So I love a low-carb diet. And when I say low-carb, that's my less triggering way of saying keto. I feel like when you say keto, it like freaks people out. But like getting into ketosis, getting your body to burn fat for fuel, it's amazing. Don't hate on it, okay? Um, right now which is kind of, which I guess we'll just like let this bring into the next part of the podcast, which is like what we're doing inside Hit Bodies right now. So we're doing 10 pound November and I've totally switched up the nutrition approach again to show people you don't have to necessarily track your food to see fantastic progress. So I'm doing a plants and protein approach. This is something I've had inside Hit Bodies for years and it's, I'll call it like a less anal whole 30 paleo type vibe. Okay. So you eliminate dairy you eliminate grains and you eliminate sugar. But when I say sugar, not like fruit, like you still eat fruit, right? Like you still eat like normal, like sugar that's in things, right? And I think everyone can kind of take those rules and like, I don't know, bend them to where they want. Like Whole30 is strict, right? I'm not going to freak out if my bacon has a little sugar in it. I'm not going to go to five different grocery stores so that I can grab the sausage I need, you know, the sausage that's compliant or whatever, right? Like I just that's it's not for me it's just not that serious right so for me I still eat bacon I still eat sausage even if it has like maybe like nitrates in certain ones or whatever I just don't freak out right and for me it's more so this naturally regulates my intake while reducing inflammation in my body because I'm eating primarily whole foods yes would it potentially reduce the inflammation so much more if I if I if I bought perfect bacon and whatever like yes sure but again, I'm just not going to do that to myself. So this approach works fine for me. So I'm eating meats. I'm eating potatoes. I'm eating anything from the produce department, essentially. And I'll do like coconut milk in my coffee. Um, I'm trying to think like what else is not from those two sections, eggs. But that's like it, right? I don't know. Yeah. So it's, um, I've been, I've been sharing all my food on Instagram on my broadcast channel. I have a broadcast the broadcast channel called everything I eat and so that's that's where I'm sharing the recipes that I'm using and I email them out to the hit bodies family each week as well so like every Sunday I send out all the recipes I picked out for the week just so you guys can see my game plan and so my idea with showing this is like it I don't know it's so it because like the Weight Watchers approach, right? Like tracking your food. A lot of people feel like that's like what works best for them. And that's amazing. But sometimes when you maybe have done that like over and over and over, like you lose the weight, you gain the weight, you lose the weight, you gain the weight. And it's like, maybe you need to change the long-term habits. And so that's where I think tracking 
your food versus doing something like this can be a lot different because you really do change your taste buds when you change what you're reaching for. So when you're tracking your food, you're often reaching for the same things, but you're like reducing your portion sizes, right? Like you're still making pasta for dinner. You might be switching out a couple of things, but like for the most part, you're reaching for the same types of things and just reducing your portion sizes. And then like over time, when you let go of the tracking, those portion sizes naturally go back up and like you you end up, a lot of people often yo-yo back. And so that's where I feel like changing the types of foods you're primarily reaching for can be really empowering, but it also annoys some people, makes them feel too restricted. So everyone's different. Now for workouts, so for this challenge, I have recorded zone two cardio workouts. This is so trendy. I am so trendy. So zone two cardio is where you keep your heart rate in like, we'll say moderate intensity level the whole time. It's not like low intensity where you're just walking, right? Like walking would be low intensity. This is like one notch up from that. And so we're adding 60 minutes of zone two cardio each week on top of the workouts. So our workouts are pure meathead workouts, just raw strength, no cardio mixed in there, super simple. And then we have the zone two cardio that you can do in addition to that. And also getting 10,000 steps in a day. I mean, can you imagine like we're going to be Maxim models? Okay. Like this, I am very proud of this combination of things. So we're starting today, October 30th. And I know it's 10 pound November, but whatever. It's like, we're just getting a head start because we just are. And I, so you can get like the packet. I've emailed it out. If you're on my email list, I've emailed it out. But if you, if you need it, just DM me or something, I can send it to you. Um, cause you can follow along even if you're not in hip bodies. I am happy, happy to help you. Um, okay. I think that's going to do it. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that's going to do it. I love you so much. And oh, oh, I almost forgot unpopular opinion. This is a laundry related unpopular opinion. And that is, I don't separate anything. So I, I like, and when I say separate, I don't even separate the clothes from each other. Like my underwear is still like attached to my pants when I put it in the washer. So my husband, when I watch him do laundry, even my laundry, I like cringe a little because he's like peeling my underwear from my leggings and stuff. And I'm like, I just throw it all in. Like it's all getting washed, whether you do that or not. Right. And I, I definitely don't separate by color or whites or anything. And I've had moments where I regret that. Like I got, I got some dingy white stuff, but like here and there, we just bleach it. Like it's no big deal. Right. I don't know. I'm, I just think it's crazy that people like take the time to separate their laundry. Like laundry is just, it is a chore. It is a chore. We don't need to make it harder. And I've, I've always washed everything on cold, but living here, the smell of my clothes on like a hot day when I'm like outside a lot or sweaty or whatever, like, I don't know, my sweat smells different here. I don't know what it is. And it's like everyone who lives here gets it. My husband, like my, it's just everyone. Like when I lived in Washington, it never smelled like this. When I lived in Montana, it never smelled like this. There's something about the way you sweat in a humid place that you can't get away with washing your clothes on cold anymore. You have to turn that up a notch. You at least have to go to warm um, to try to get some of that smell out. But like, it's so gross. And I, I know the vinegar trick. I Trust me, vinegar's going in my laundry, especially with my workout clothes. But yeah, it's just like, it's a pretty disgusting thing. I'm, I'm so curious where you guys lean on that. Is that an unpopular opinion? Is that a hot take or is it is it pretty normal? Like, are people out here separating their laundry for real? I just feel like maybe that's like something from the 90s. Like, nobody's actually doing that anymore. Okay.
Okay, that's going to do it. So anyway, thank you for listening. If you go to www.hitbodies.com, registration is closed right now, but you can get the three-day slay program totally for free to try out some of our workouts. And I would seriously love to have you try them out and never hesitate to message me. I love when you like tag me in your workouts and stuff like that. Just please do. Please do. Okay. Have a wonderful day. Love you. Bye.